1: This is the Wes and Walker Show. And a moral lesson is told at the end of each episode. One notable episode is one called The Price, in which a boy buys a drug called Spin. He was smoking at Spin. It's Wes becomes addicted to it. And dies of an overdose. We need oh, no. more cartoons like that these days for these badass. And Walker.
2: Will these kids die of drugs? Yes, yeah,
1: so they Sounds can learn their lesson brutal. and know not to do it. If somebody fictional dies, they'll learn not to do it in okay. nonfiction. You know what I'm saying? And for that it. reason, <laughs> Marshall Brave Star, Tech Hex, New Tex, Texas is straight fire! I had the action figure braced off, but my mom wouldn't let me get text hat.
2: Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNZ. Oh, come on, Mom. Why didn't you do that? You said
1: it was too demonic.
2: Well, maybe it's because a kid died of drugs. Wes Walker Sports Radio 927 WFNZ. Appreciate you joining us. We'll be on for the next two hours. In the first hour, we talked about North Carolina suffering, the loss of Virginia, one of Go the biggest upsets. Yourself. Yeah, man. We heard from Don LaGreca a little bit ago, too, at 1230 in the form of Josh Fitty Marlowe, when he was ranting. When he went to the foul line for the second time, I believe, in three days worth of shows, except this one was all sorts of fiery coming over there from behind the soundboard. People loved it. People were here for all of the anger, and they want to continue to see North Carolina lose because a lot of heels haters texting in at 704-570-9610. <laughs>
3: oh, yeah. There were so many Wolfpack babies that got conceived the other night. There's going to be a new population in Raleigh. Question. Would it be unprofessional of me to send my rant to Don LaGreca to see if he would approve or disapprove of said rant?
2: I think you should. Okay. There, Wes told you it's done. Do it. Send it to Don LaGreca. Do you want him to play it on air? Is no, I just want to see for? if
3: I tweet at him. Maybe he will interact with it. Maybe. I mean, look, maybe the Michael K show steals the foul line because we all steal things in radio, mm-hmm. and I could be the one that birthed it and – uh I just want to shout out my guy, Wes, real quick. Last week, (laughs) last Thursday and Friday, fantastic. I had a lot of fun. Thank you, sir. And then he covers Walker's butt because Walker owed me a Mountain Dew, promised me one on Wednesday's show. Two times, failed to deliver. Wes goes to the vending machine, comes back with said Mountain Dew. Wes, I love you, man. All right, man. You know, you earned it. That, that, That rant was fantastic.
2: Wait, those, what, three beers that I bought you the other night? That doesn't do anything oh, yeah. for you? I
3: mean, if you want to go back to that Friday, we can revisit because I offered. I offered to buy you a beer, and you wouldn't let me, but you let Troppy buy you a beer.
2: I don't think that's how it worked. I think me and Colin split up <laughs> how we were going to let Shroppy and Fitty pay for our beers.
3: God, dude, I hate when your memory actually does work because it always comes back to bite me in the ass when I'm trying to do some fitty things.
2: Well, look, I got to focus whenever I'm around you because I know you're about to put some BS out there. So I got to make sure that we're covering our bases. Feel free to text in 704 570 Let's shift gears and talk a little more about the Carolina Panthers who did not play this weekend. The joke is, wasn't it nice to not watch the Panthers lose on a Sunday? 704
3: Let's go. Yeah,
2: and 0 on the weekend, <laughs> which is a better record than what they've given us the past six Weeks, but they head into this week getting ready for the Houston Texans and getting ready for the trade deadline because there's a report out there. Joe Person wrote about it on The Athletic that the Panthers are interested in giving Bryce Young another wide receiver to aid in his development. The problem is, it's not going to be a number one wide receiver you're getting back because other teams don't necessarily want to trade their best offensive weapons in the passing game. And also, if you were to do that, that means the Panthers would have to get rid of draft capital in order for that to happen. And they don't have a whole lot of draft capital because you spent it all on moving up to number one and getting Bryce young with that number one overall selection. So really the other way to do it is to have a player swap and the Panthers are considered both sellers and buyers, especially with that wide receiver position, but sellers everywhere else. We've talked about Brian Burns. I don't know if he's ever left the trade market. I don't know if he's ever left the block because last off season we thought, all right, they're going to agree to a contract extension and then he'll be here long term, but it never happened. So now here we are having the conversation again of, could you get two first rounders, whatever, if you traded Brian Burns, but the other players on this list, could you get like a third wide receiver that would even amount to anything? Wes, do you see any realistic scenario to the point where you would want to do it, trading some of these players or any draft capital if you wanted to go that route to help Bryce Young with another wide receiver on the
1: squad? Um, Yeah, I mean, it's a tough scenario. I feel like with the Panthers at this point, unless you really get some – really great offers that can help you, then I think maybe you make some moves. Um, If Brian Burns can net you two first rounds or a first rounder and another hot draft pick, I think that's something to be taken under consideration. Same with Derrick Brown. Uh, But the thing you have to ask yourself is, how are you going to replace these guys? If you do trade Brian Burns, what's your plan to replace him? Do you feel like that you're going to be getting rid of him and then going into the draft trying to find him again? You know, so that's the conundrum they run into. I think that... Uh, maybe some player-for-player player swaps, but you rarely see that. I think unless you really have a chance to get a guy that you feel like is going to be a true game-breaker, true difference-maker for your franchise, and you don't have to give up too much, then I think maybe you make the deal, but we know that's not how that works either. I think the best course of action for them at, at this point is just to stand pat with what you got. got. Uh, the Panthers are going to have a lot of cap space. I read a, a piece that they're going to have over 60-plus million next season in cap space. The draft picks that you do have um i mean if you really feel strongly that you don't want to play brian burns what he's worth and if you're that far apart on negotiations then perhaps you look into that deal but other than that i think that you just stand pat and just keep building
2: yeah i just don't know what the draft capital in return would be or what kind of player swap you could make so if you're going to get rid of some of the players joe person came up with a five player list brian burns is on that list no surprise we've been talking about it a lot Some of the other names are Dante Jackson, who maybe you could get a mid-round pick in return, which if you got a fourth-round pick in return, might do that. Dante Jackson just didn't live up to the hype after what I thought was some promising moments that he had early on in his career. Known as a ball hawk would go and get an interception, would bite on some of those routes, and sometimes it worked out for him. A lot of times it didn't. Just been injury-prone, too. Uh, under uh, unfortunate for him but it just hasn't worked out this season by any stretch of the imagination jeremy chin we thought maybe okay is there a team out there that values what he is as a player which is a safety probably more so in a linebacker body that makes plays a lot closer to the line of the uh, line of scrimmage than he does in coverage and so is there a team that wants to utilize that part of his skill set and would they be willing to pay for it But he suffered a quad injury that's going to hold him out for six weeks. And so now, I don't know how much you can get in return there. There is a player that I was a little surprised to see on the list, but only because we haven't talked about it before. It makes sense when it's laid out for me. What about Hayden Hurst, Wes? Because Hayden Hurst was involved in the passing game week one against Atlanta. And I thought, all right, this is somebody they keep targeting. Bryce Young likes working the middle of the field where Hayden Hurst could find some some soft spots in coverage. And Bryce Young could just live there, but really, he's been throwing to Adam Thielen, and take your pick. After that, it hadn't really been Hayden Hurst. Is that a guy that you would be willing to trade?
1: And do you think the Panthers should trade him because they just don't use don't use him at all in offense? Um, that's a tough question because. The reason that they're not using him, I mean, what is it? Is it because he's not getting open enough or the game plans or whatever the case may be? Because I felt like the first couple of games after Atlanta, maybe teams were zoning in on him and saying, hey, you know, this is the guy that the rookie's going to be looking to go to and not because of the rookie quarterback tight end thing, but just because in the first game he was a guy that was targeted and they were going to him. But uh, since then, like I said, he just hasn't been a part of the offense. It depends on what type of uh, offer that you get. If you, you know, he's not making a ton of money. He did a four-year, $11 million, or that was with the Ravens. But this is a guy that you're not paying a ton of money to. So it just depends what can you get for him and what's your desire to get from him. And do you want to get maybe a fifth, sixth-round pick? Okay, but then again, that just admits another fault that you didn't evaluate a guy properly and that you did not, do your due diligence on him. If you're going to ship him out that quickly, I don't think he's a guy that that should be gone.
2: Well, and we've talked about the defensive signings for Scott Fitterer. If they're not working out, it's really because of injury at this point, Von Bell being out Xavier Woods, having been someone they brought even over a year ago, playing last season on this team, him being injured really hurts the draft acquisition they made with JC Horn. When they took him a couple of years ago, that's someone that's not helping on the field because he's hurt. So, I don't know if it's necessarily a bad fit or talent evaluation as to why they missed on some of those signings. It's because some of those guys are injured. Offensively, Miles Sanders looks to be a really bad signing because, Wes, here we are watching Chuba Hubbard play better than Miles Sanders when Chuba is in the game. And then we got to see Deontay Foreman for Chicago this weekend receive a touchdown yes, and run for a couple of other touchdowns. Yes, against the lowly Raiders, which if you need a win, whether you're Jeff Saturday looking for your first win as a coach at any level, Raiders got you covered. If you're Tyson Badgett, an undrafted rookie QB making his first start in the NFL and you need a victory to help you out going forward, McDaniel's got you. Okay. even with all that being said, Deontay Foreman looks as good as he did last year, except he's not making all the Miles Sanders money. And yet he looks better than that guy. So I think these are a couple of indictments as you look even closer as to what's happening with this offense. But man, if you, so Miles Sanders, isn't working out Hayden Hurst, If you trade him, that's clearly a, Hey, all right. It didn't work out with Hayden Hurst as to what we were hoping he would do for Bryce young drafting Jonathan Mingo at this moment, when Josh downs is among the league receivers uh, among the leading receivers in the league this past weekend, there's just, the offensive decisions, Wes, it's really hurting this team, and it's hurting the one you still hope you got right with Bryce Young.
1: Yeah, and so it was kind of a thing that we talked about last week while you were gone, Walt. We talked about the fact of the Panthers building their offense kind of in an old-school vein and not really looking to be a dynamic offense with plenty of matchup issues all over the board. And, yeah, we thought that the signers, they made were a good starter kit, and that may well be true. We see that Adam Thielen has been playing uh, as good as anybody in that slot But you look at Chark, like you said, the injury concerns, and he just hasn't seemed to caught on for whatever reason or another. He's made a play here or there. But there's nobody on that offense really what people are fearful of as far as what they can do to you, whether it's taking the top off the defense or whether it's being a 50-50 ball king. Like, there's not a lot of – dynamic players on this Carolina offense. And you can add Hayden Hurst to this list, even though I did think he was going to be a guy that could get around 700 yards receiving, but he's a good, solid, traditional tight end. But this Panthers offense could use an influx of speed and influx, influx of dynamic playmakers. And that can look a lot of different ways because Mingo, okay, the thought there is big, strong guy can run a little bit, going to be able to dominate down the field on 50, 50 balls. But that hasn't happened. But then the guys that you bring up, like the Tank Dales, like the Josh Downs and players of that ilk, they're matchup nightmares where you get them on a linebacker, you get them on a safety that's too big and can't keep up with them or things of that nature. And so it's like, what's the design of this Carolina offense? What were you trying to gain with the pieces that you had? And so not to say that it's hard to go out and build what Miami's built because it's hard to go get a Tyreek Hill to start all that off. But you gotta have some, just some type of influx on this offensive playmakers to make this team more dynamic, and I don't think they're there right now.
2: And I understand, yeah, I want more speed too. I'm not even so mad at what you think these guys could become, and hitting on the ceiling of what that is. A.J. Brown has been among the best receivers in the league. We compare Jonathan Mingo a lot to A.J. Brown because he that that's the ceiling, right? The, yeah, the ultimate body ceiling.
1: Type. Yeah, play style.
2: Physical, good with the football in his hands. I don't need them to select Jalen Waddle. if you like this other wide receiver at his peak with his skill set better. But if you miss out on him, then it's going to hurt. And so (laughs) it's not even necessarily the identity. It's Wes, even if they have an identity in their mind, they can't get players to perform well within whatever their vision is. So when they select these other players, it's not even working out with whatever vision they have. And the other thing I'll say too about the draft, which a lot of people are saying on the text line, great, I want Scott Fitterer to trade for more draft picks for him to just miss on those draft picks too. Well, Scott Fitterer might not be making trades for himself. He might be making trades at the deadline, and then that job might be taken away from him this offseason for another GM to deal with. So you have to think about that. But Jonathan Mingo little bit of a reach there at 39. I We were discussing some of these other wide receivers going higher. But then DJ Johnson, a clear reach based on what we had known coming in. We're not inside the war rooms. It's not like we know everything. Oh, DJ Johnson wouldn't have gone until 130 if you didn't select him. But it just feels like you jump up to go get your mingo. You jump up, you trade up, you get rid of an asset to go get DJ Johnson. Two years ago, you trade up to go get what you thought was an asset, and Matt Corral, and these guys either don't perform well, don't show any signs that they're the guy immediately, or they're not even on the team in some cases. And it, the draft history has been so detrimental to this team.
1: Yeah, and also, too, man, you look at Horse Show Shodan, and I think the same thing when you look at what he's talking about and saying letting Hassan Reddick go. Like, when I watch the Eagles play, I'm sitting there, I'm like, Why did the Panthers let him go again? Like, I I was confused. And so this front office, it's just been a comedy of errors as far as free agents brought in to this point and also uh, draft selections that they've missed on. And that's what sets your franchise back more than anything because we're out of the days where quarterback, if you draft them, you have to pay them a ton of money and it's going to hurt you if it doesn't work out. Those days are done. But what's hurting Carolina right now is just missed draft pick after missed draft pick. And then also now, when you look at what's happened, Uh, in free agency missed assessments on that as well. I mean, we talked about the grocery list all season long, and there were things added to it. It's like, you know, your your girl called you, your wife, or whatever the case may be, you're in the grocery store, and she's like, hey, uh, I forgot a couple of these main ingredients I told you. I I thought I had it, but I didn't. You thought you had a left tackle. You might not. You thought you had a running back in Mount Sanders. Probably don't. So there are a lot of things that they thought that they addressed as well that they're going to have to go back and address, and that's what's going to make this rebuild uh, take a little bit longer because there are some things that you had to go back and get because you didn't, you thought you already had
2: it. Yeah, they're making that call and you're like, don't worry, babe. I'll whip something up for us tonight.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then when it's done, ooh, what's that? Say, yeah, it's don't, like you forgot some of the ingredients.
2: Don't you ever do that again. <laughs> you go back to the grocery store and you go get what I asked right, for. Right, exactly. And then. We try it from there. Yep. Let's continue to talk about the Panthers. I spoke about some of the players performing well that were ex Panthers. I want to know how much that grinds your gears. The other thing I want to know is is the NFC South exactly who we thought they were? Let's get to all of that coming up next on Wesson Walker, Sports Radio 92 7, WFNZ.
1: McDonald's is not new to chicken.
2: For Fiddy. Flounder came in. They were discussing the North Carolina loss. Fiddy said, seven and five football, here we come. Flounder said, I'm surprised you didn't have him going six and six. Fitty said, Well, you're right, Campbell's actually not half bad. Bro, (laughs) that's how bad it is for Fiddy
3: right now. Can I tell you? And I mean, I, I love I love my guy to death. We're best friends. Whole way home the other night, this man, I mean, full blown vitriol, complaining worse than I. Then I come in here this morning, and he's like, well, you know, if they beat Duke and they win at Clemson and they beat NC State, you you kind of forget about losing to Virginia. Buddy, friend, <laughs> come back to me. Hit with the buddy. We lost to Virginia! <laughs> you expect me to think we're going to beat a Duke team that went toe-to-toe with Florida State before their quarterback got hurt? I know Clemson ain't good. You think we're going into Death Valley and beating Clemson? And don't get me started on NC State. We invent ways to lose when we play at the Wolfpack.
2: That's true. That is true. What is So if, if we wanted to be real about this, mm-hmm. the realistic scenarios as to how you could get over the Virginia loss as best as you possibly could. I'm I'm even trying to think of a realistic scenario. It's that bad. you got to win out and, and win the ACC
3: right. championship game.
1: Yeah, I think that's the only way.
3: And even right. still, right. that's and still, you'll gonna still be going to stick, right. yep, no, stick in the you back of your mind. That's still going to stick in the back of your mind.
2: No, you're right. You're right. You would absolutely be going with the whole what-if thing. Because the the reason it was so bad was because, one, of course when you lose a game when you're a 25-point favorite, it's always going to be horrible, especially at home. You don't even get the... At, you don't even get the disadvantage of playing on somebody else's home turf, right? This was yours. You were playing in Chapel Hill. So that's bad enough. But really, it's all about the committee. It, this was the best shot that you've had in a long time. Undefeated, 6-0. and You had three games in a row that should be easy enough wins. And I know Georgia Tech is always weird to consider that because they lost last year. But this seemed to be a different team, at least through six games it seemed to be a different team and so now you're talking about a 9 and 0 squad if the reason it was so bad is because is anybody in the college football playoff committee going to be able to get over the virginia loss and i posed this question to you in the fishbowl would there be a top 4 team in the country that had as bad a loss as north carolina did <clears throat> to virginia has there ever been one Since we were recognizing the top four teams, I can't think of one that even comes close to the Virginia loss. And so would the committee be able to overcome that despite a running of the table, right? This is, we still got to get past. If you're a heels fan, you still got to get past Duke and even Clemson, despite their loss to Miami. I get it, but you lost to Virginia. Now everything's on the table. Even if you do get past all of that, I don't think decision-makers would be able to get over the Virginia loss.
3: The worst loss is Ohio State year one of the playoff when they lost at home to Virginia Tech in week two. And that was week two Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't even like a one. In, and that Virginia Tech team, of course, wasn't great. That was That's probably the worst loss from a playoff team in the regular season. And at that time, that was a respectable
1: program as far as, you know, you're looking at it and say, okay, you lost to Virginia Tech. Well... You know, it's not great. We weren't years into the Puente tenure yet. And right. so the thing is about Carolina, too, is the narrative it has created. Because coming into this game, Miami was the first ranked team that they had played. Well, Miami, that got, you know, invalidated because they thrashed them. But then the loss that they had the week before to Georgia Tech made Miami look even worse. So now you had all the people who were saying before, well, Carolina hadn't beaten anybody. And not that Virginia was somebody but then they looked, and people go, "Hey, see, told you."
2: Well, this is the ACC. ACCing harder than we expect.
1: And yeah, and 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 we talked about that as well last week, where I said that I felt like when Pitt, and that was another kind of omen for me, when I saw the score going how it was going, I just said to myself after Pitt beat Louisville, which after my Deeks beating Pitt, I said to myself. How in the hell did they beat Louisville while we were watching that game? My mom and I both. I was like, how did they beat Louisville? And I said to myself, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Get ready, folks. We got it in week two. Another monstrous upset. The ACC down the stretch, like I said, they used to call it the crazy coastal. Now it's just going to be just outlandish ACC football down the stretch because, as I said, I felt the Louisville Pitt game was the tip of the iceberg. We're already seeing it, man. It's no telling what's going to happen week to week now in this league. I
2: did want to read this text from KC Steve when Fiddy and I were going back and forth about the soda, I think it was. KC Steve said, all right, hearing that back and forth, if you guys were characters on The Sopranos, Fiddy's snitching self would make it through half of the season – Walker would be a late series exit. By the way, just to clarify, he said half through season one. (laughs) Like, Philly is a character that you ask at the end of the series, hey, remember that one character from season one. So he would make it through half of season one. Walker would be a late series exit. And West would make lieutenant in the family because of loyalty. That's how Vinny? KC Steve. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> I like that drop. KC Steve sees all of us lasting that long in a Sopranos series. I'll take a late series exit. That's fine enough. It's a good run. People remember me. We'll have, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'll have, I'm good enough to get some kind of character Reddit out there yeah. on the, on the subreddit yeah. page for the Sopranos. But you of course take all the glory.
1: Well, I like that. But you know, also, you know, I'm a man, I'm, I'm hard, but fair. So, I would be the guy in the show that, uh, yeah, I'll be loyal, but once you do something to cross me and I see a severe flaw in your character, you're getting... Uh,
2: you better make sure you have all your ducks in a row, though, because if you cross somebody because of their crossing, and now you've got family <laughs> wars going on, and maybe yeah. you don't make it to lieutenant if you... I'd make sure I get somebody. permission.
1: You know what I'm saying? I get permission okay. before I whack somebody, but
3: okay. I, I get you out of here. How mm-hmm. would I get whacked? That's what I want to know. If you're killing me, how am I getting killed? Well, this is a family radio, so I don't... <laughs> We can talk about it during the break. <laughs> well, so, so, it during I mean, break. I mean is, is, it, is it a clean, respectable, or am I getting... If it's me, I mean, I want to make you stuff up. There's there. a situation
2: that calls for you to be cool. <laughs> There's a situation where you need to be collected in order to pull this thing off, but you blow up at the first sign of adversity. <laughs> like my you, football team. You blow your cover, bang, <laughs> no more Josh Fiddy Marlowe. <laughs> Happy exit from the Sopranos. <laughs> That's how he would exit the series, yeah, um, let's go to the Carolina Panthers and let's discuss how they're gonna exit this season if it's gonna be look, it already feels like a mid season exit in season one of the Frank Reich era, they're already exiting. there's not gonna but maybe Frank Reich is done with the organization enough if they don't get one of these wins. What's really unfortunate too
1: is oh, that, I haven't seen that kind of reaction from the text line in a long that time that cracked me up what 704 608 numbers said getting whacked in the stall of bossy Bueller's. that's Dead pretty dumb. good that's pretty good <laughs> that was pretty good That got me off guard. Is that where we have our meetings?
2: Yeah. All right. I'll beat you at Bossy
1: Bula's. (laughs) Doesn't that sound like a place that Mm -hmm. monsters will eat? It does. Uh, We're going to go over there to Bossy Mm Bula's, have a chicken sandwich, and uh, talk about what we're going to do. (laughs) Mm-hmm. (laughs) 100%.
2: It does sound, Bossy Bula's does sound like a restaurant in The Sopranos. (laughs) All right. Should we try again with the stuff? No, it's tough. No, I get it. It's really hard to talk about them. I think what's unfortunate, just like with the Tar Heels, This being the season to where maybe they can make a top four playoff. Carolina could have competed in the NFC South this year. Yeah. The NFC South got some love at the beginning. We were discussing, hey, did we underrate the NFC South? Atlanta looks good. Baker Mayfield is balling with Tampa Bay. New Orleans, they're not even playing their best football yet. And here they are rattling off a couple of wins. The NFC South does not look good anymore, Wes. You have the Falcons. I don't even know what's going on with Bijan Robinson. I mean, I don't even know. Okay, they said he didn't feel good, and that's why he wasn't getting any touches in this game. But man, they didn't list him as a possible, uh, as a possible absence from this contest that they played. New Orleans, man, I'm sorry, they just don't look like a good football team. Their defense is good enough, but their offense, their they, offensive line, yeah, they're they not clicking at all. In Atlanta, they can win some games if they don't turn it over in the red zone three times an outing. So, this is the real problem. The NFC South. It feels like this was a year where they really could contend. We did call it. The Panthers actually called it. They felt like they could contend in this division, yeah. except they didn't take care of their own backyard, and so now they can't look to infiltrate anybody else.
1: Yeah, no, I agree with you one hundred percent. You look at this team and every team in the conference except for the New Orleans Saints, who's only sitting there plus six, have a negative point differential, and so that tells you what. it is. you have two games on two teams on two game losing streaks, and Tampa Bay and New Orleans, and so if you're the Panthers Panthers right now, even if you're sitting there two and four, you got a shot. And that's where they've been a couple of times in recent memory where they don't start the season as great. And then they're sitting there still in the mix, just like last season. And if you get a couple of wins under your belt early on, you're sitting right there again. The division is within your grasp, at least a chance to get to second if you decide to really get going in the second half of the season if you had a repeat. But the thing is, is that this division at first has started out looking like there may be a strong team or two in this division. I know I thought New Orleans would be a double-digit win team, but at this point, that offensive line, it just looks like they're not going to be able to do it. You watch the games, cars not having enough time to throw. They're not running the ball effectively enough. They're not potent. And defensively, they've given up 127 points so far. And then at Tampa Bay, you kind of knew that the wheels would maybe come off of this one. And they're 1-3 and at home. They can't win home games at this point. They've had a tough slate. They've had some good teams come in there. But Atlanta's kind of winning by default with a mediocre quarterback. I mean, he's mediocre at best. The skill talent is really carrying this guy. And then their defense is playing fairly decent. But they only have 115 points on the year. And that's the team that's sitting there at 4-3 and right now.
2: Yeah, the I mean, look at Desmond Ritter. I am not so sure. I think mediocre. It, however, I said
1: mediocre at best. Yeah,
2: right. Like so, with Desmond <laughs> Ritter, that was an awful turnover that he had trying to he cross the goal sick. line. Not good. But here, the yeah, you are right. Like they have a winning record. They're running. Their rushing offense is good enough to get the job done. It, it's done that a couple of times now. Tampa Bay, with two losses in a row, they're starting to come back down to earth after a three and one start. And New Orleans, with a losing record close to midway point, e- even if I thought this division wouldn't be good, I thought New Orleans would have more wins than you know the three that they have at this point. Yeah, that offense. It's yeah. the defense is good enough. The offense I think has scored thirty once against New England. But it's just not clicking at all.
1: And if you look at Ritter, the thing is, too, if if I told you at the beginning of the season, and I mean, they've given up 20 sacks, and I know some of those are his fault because, like we said, he's not playing the greatest of football. But if I told Atlanta fans, all right, sit in there after seven games, he'd be at 230 yards per game, six touchdowns, six interceptions. I think they would take that. And then we know there's some fumbles uh, involved in that as well. But I think that they would take that. And so uh, he's got an 84.1 quarterback rating but he's only averaging 7.1 yards uh, per completion but I think that Atlanta fans would accept that as I said he's playing good enough football for what their record indicates four and three and he's a four and three quarterback
2: what this does say though even if you're not going to contend for division title this year it does show that you're not too far behind to completely flip this thing because we'll see teams frequently go from last in their division to first the NFC South, you know, god bless any kind of confidence you still have in the Panthers getting it right in the offseason. But if you did have that confidence, then the NFC South would be a good candidate for national pundits to choose. Okay, that's the division where we're going to see it happen. The last team get all the way up to the top because you just don't feel good enough about the Saints moving, you know, so far ahead of you. The Atlanta Falcons maybe a little bit there because I think if you drop a good quarterback in there, then you feel a lot better, but QB is still a really important position that they haven't figured out post Matt Ryan. And are they going to draft one as high as they possibly can? And they're going to be in that weird, no man's land where they're winning too much to get a top five pick. And yeah, they're not going to be uh bad. Yeah. They're just going to win too much to not have that. So it does say, all right, even after everything going as poorly as it possibly could this year through the six games that they've played, it does show in the big picture They're still not too far off of competing against these other teams where it matters more.
1: Yeah, and that's the thing, I guess, that you can look at, to, as you like to say, be on a glass, half full type of thought process is that you look at this and say, okay. now, as I always say, each year brings something different. You never know what teams are going to do what. But if these teams aren't going to make the playoffs, and we know the champion will. So let's say Atlanta goes on to win this division. Atlanta, to me, is a quarterback away from really being a real problem in the NFC uh, in my book because they got great skill, talent, they've worked on uh, getting that defense better. But when you look at Tampa, it's like, what's the objective here? Like, you're 3-3, and so if you finish second in the division with a respectable record, you knocked yourself out of getting one of the, the top, top quarterbacks, even though there's so many in this class. So you still have an opportunity to be able to do that. But for Carolina, as you said, the grocery list has gotten so much bigger. So, yeah, I think you have a chance to get right for next season. I still don't know 100% if they're going to be able to solve all of their ills yeah. in one off season. But this division gives you enough leeway that if you can get over the hump and get a little bit better to be able to get to a 500 level, of football I think that puts you in the mix in the NFC South
2: all right so just a couple of updates before we move on Frank Reich is at the podium right now after a week off and Frank Reich has a couple of injury updates Frank says that Austin Corbett has been making good progress of course the right guard that's been out since the beginning of the season the Panthers have to activate him by Wednesday or he has to hit the IR again Reich said he wants to wait until Wednesday to give updates on injured guys like J.C. Horn, Xavier Woods, and anybody else that might be on that list. And the last thing is him talking about Bryce Young, saying there's zero question in his mind about Bryce Young's toughness. So it's going to be a big game for him going against C.J. Stroud, who's looked very good in his rookie season. I hope if, if Bryce Young plays well against him. That's going to go a long way, in my opinion. In the second half, we can talk about that a little bit more as we move on. I think we skipped over the Fiddy Flash, so we'll come back and we'll give you a a segment with Fiddy about to lead off the 2 o'clock hour. I do want to revisit the college landscape, UNC's upset loss, but also how about Clemson? It's so weird that Clemson is not the lead storyline having lost a game. It would have been the last, what, seven years? Doing sports radio, but it's not right now. Let's catch up on the Clemson Talk. Coming up next, Wes and Walker Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ.
1: McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning their chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy.
0: Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclib 200mg at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you.
1: Welcome back, folks. This is the Western Walker Show, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ on a football Monday. Walker mail back in the building. Josh Fiddy Marlowe and myself, Wes Bryant, talking about college football this weekend. Man, was it just smoking. I'm talking about that late night window. It was, you know, you had the USC deal and them losing a the game. You had Clemson in Miami and them going to overtime. You had Carolina going down. I mean, it was just lit on Saturday night with college football games. And so let's get right into it. When you talk about the ACC, the other big loss of the day, if you want to call it that, two four and 4-2 football teams, Miami and the Clemson Tigers going at it down there in the Dade County. And the Canes come out victorious, and they get the victory over Clemson, sending Clemson to their third loss on the season, a game that we thought that they would go in and take care of business, especially with what we've seen from Miami uh, over the last couple of weeks, but they hold Clemson to 31 rushing yards on the day. That's definitely a recipe for victory against this Clemson squad. This was the fourth overtime game between Clemson and Miami all time. Four of Clemson's nine ACC games against Miami have all gone to overtime. That includes three of the last four meetings in Miami and Clemson is eight and 10 overall overall. Uh, in In overtime games And so Miami was able To beat them physically up front They had to come back Clemson was up double digits But it just wasn't meant to be And Cristobal almost gave Them the game late Because with the last drive He chose to be uber conservative And run the football We get that uh tvd went out of the football game but emory williams came in and played admirably 24 33 151 yards a touchdown and a pick but i guess he didn't want to risk emory williams throwing a pick that could have cost him the game or whatever the case but the miami fans were up in arms i was up in arms i just didn't understand it but they went to overtime and they came out on top clemson tried to run a read option play with club and he thought that he could outrun uh, one of the Miami DBs, and it was not, not DBs, but one of the, uh, matter of fact, it was Corey Flagg Jr., and he could not outrun him. He told him, this in Texas, son. This is not uh, <laughs> high school anymore, okay? You can't outrun me to the corner. And Clemson loses uh, that football game. So when we talk about that one, uh, how big do we feel like that that loss was when you talk about the Clemson Tigers and is their uh, a potential trip to Charlotte for them pretty much, Damn. I mean, where, where do they rank in the ACC? Just not based off wins
2: and losses. You can go off the eyeball test. You can account for whatever you want, but where would you rank them among the best teams in the ACC right now? Not the country, just within the conference. Yeah. Because look, I know it's crazy. I still think North Carolina is a better overall football team, despite the loss to Virginia. I know if you don't want to hear that today, I still think that. Okay. So North Carolina is in there, whatever. I still would take Duke. They lost to Florida State with a healthy enough Riley Leonard, who's not out for the season. They tried to give it a go here, but I'd still take Duke. Florida State beat Clemson. Close enough game, but I'll still take Florida State. I mean, Wes, what? At the best, you would consider them the fourth best team in the conference? Clemson? Yeah. I mean, maybe you would want to have them, like, maybe at best three if you wanted to make that case. Yeah, no, they're not even close to either one of those. So, right, right. That's my point. Like, the most optimistic views... When have we ever talked about Clemson like that in the last 10 years?
1: Seven and six in their last 13
2: games. I, Anytime that you would pull up a team page on the internet in order to talk about them, there's a couple of shortcuts that you could do to pull up the team page real quickly. For Clemson, what I used to do was I would have the ESPN page up, and then I would just go to the rankings tab, and I would click on rankings, and I knew Clemson would be up there towards the top, and then I'd click on the Clemson tab. Can't do that anymore, Wes. You cannot. I got to go to standings, and then I got to scroll just a little bit, and then I got to click on Clemson that way, which, of course, it's only a couple more clicks, but it's not as quickly as it was because Clemson's not on the rankings anymore. Like, this is as bad. Like, it was, it was bad last year. People were saying it was disappointment when they went to the ACC championship game and won and blew out North Carolina. But now you're losing to Miami. You lose to Duke, who was clearly the better football team at the beginning of the season. Played better with Duke having a couple turnovers that led to, you know, even Duke winning that game anyway. Yeah, it's – it's. I don't think they're going to get to the ACC championship game. I would say it's done. I, Cade Klovnik, against the big-time opponents, he performed well enough against Florida State, mm-hmm. but was not good in this game. People are pissed at him for changing the fourth down call. <laughs> like I was like, wait, I got this, guys. Man, it's bad times over there in Clemson.
1: Yeah, and listen, in ACC play, they're being outscored. Clemson has 99 points for, 113 points against when you talk about ACC play. And then dig this. You lose this football game, and you look at their statistics by the quarter. In the fourth quarter, Clemson did not score. One of five. one uh, They had five yards rushing, and they had five total yards in the fourth quarter. They average 0.8 yards per play and 0 for 2 on third down. That is completely, utterly unacceptable when you talk about a Clemson Tigers football team. this That's just not going to get it. And they should be embarrassed by this. And this is a program that's certainly reeling at this point because they've got tough football games left. And so you would think at this point they're going to get to the six wins that they need to get to a bowl game. But this is going to be the lowest tier bowl game that they've been in. And I know they were in the cheez at Bowl, um, and, and that was a little bit beneath them as far as what they were used to. But this year, yeah, you could be playing before January 1st if you're the Clemson Tigers. And then Dabo puts his foot in his mouth after the game, makes the very <laughs> insensitive joke about a player being on suicide watch. And it's like that continues as well because we're already coming off of the backs of what he said about losing some more games and lose some fans on the bandwagon. They're just not in a good space all the way around. And now you look at Dabo, and fans are starting to question the leadership there, what's going on. It's just not looking good in Clemson.
2: Well, yeah, and just the laugh, just to clear up, it's Dabo doing this once again. He's done this a couple times. And he's
1: come out and apologized, but you said what you said.
2: And how many times have we gone to Dabo with just, even if you agree or disagree with some of the stuff that he said, I mean, it's controversial. It's There are things that Dabo talks about where it's like, okay, why are you saying this at this point in time? And here's just another example of it. Yeah, it, looking at their schedule here too, Wes, you're talking about a bowl game. Uh, they're 4 and 3. They're going to get to a bowl game, right? They have this game on the road against NC State. On the road, we know how the battles have been against NC State. So, we'll see what happens there in their next game coming up in just 5 days. Notre Dame, Notre Dame, you would have the Fighting Irish as the favorite at this point. You have Georgia Tech after that, then you have North Carolina, South Carolina back-to-back. One game at home, one game in Columbia. So, it, they're going to be bowl eligible, they're going to win two at least but just how many games above bowl eligibility are they gonna get
1: <laughs> that's what i'm saying <laughs> they could be playing in the december 26th december 27. clemson fans might have to cancel christmas to be able to make the bowl game this year ain't gonna be no january 5th january whatever
2: how bad would it be to cap off this type of season two straight losses to south carolina mm. yeah
1: they had a potential loss in the bowl game because who knows who they could draw instead bowl game
3: right Dabo's a front runner do they do do they decline a bowl invitation because there's there's no denying his program needs to be rebuilt from top to bottom inside out. Hubert Davis did it on the basketball side, Thanks for Carolina basketball caught a lot of flack for it. I defended it i I don't think Clemson fans it it, it would definitely be you know. I'm a better-than-you mindset to go play like in the military bowl. But it might be the type of thing that he has to do to get his program back among the nation's elite. Oh, yeah,
1: he's not going to he's not gonna turn down a bucket. He's going to use this to try to teach the guys about character, dealing with adversity and all of that stuff. And I, I think at some point, like you said, you're going to get to some job security stuff. It's already there. But I think for Dabo, he's earned enough cachet to where I think he gets through this year. I think if next season, 10 wins is the minimum. I think if you don't get the 10 wins and finish inside of the top 10, I think after that, discussions are going to start happening about his job security in Clemson.
2: Last question from me. Just real simple rapid fire statement here. The biggest problem, we're looking for answers as to the, pro- to the problems that they're you know going through right now. Defensively, they're still good enough to win. Even if defensively they didn't come through at the end of this game, they're still good enough to win overall defensively. It's the offense that isn't working for them. And I think in particularly, Cade Klubnick had been playing better football, turnover-free football after the first couple of games of the season. Still not lighting it up, but fine enough. We still don't look at Cade and say, yep, that's the guy that's going to take this team to the promised land. So what do you do at quarterback next year is my question.
3: Get him some damn talent around him. I don't okay. think he's
2: the problem. Okay, so you think that. Are you looking for a transfer pretty hard? Or is Dabo just going to continue to ignore it? Are you looking to, I don't know what the recruiting QB position looks like? Or is Cade's job in jeopardy is my question.
1: I was a big fan of Christopher Vizena, the kid that they signed before they put a red shirt on him. I thought that maybe he was going to end up playing a lot this year, but I like Christopher Vizena a lot. You know that uh, the Clemson Tigers, they go out and they recruit well. So I believe that. I'm not sure that he goes for transfer portal quarterback, but he just might. I mean, Cade's been good enough yeah. this year, but I feel like when they play against some of those elite defenses, he's still not the guy that they need and what they've been used to. But I certainly can't put a ton of this uh, at his feet. I mean, he he kept them in this football game. When you look at the numbers that he had, three fourteen, two two touchdowns, because he got nothing from the running game. They averaged 0.9 yards per carry, and it wasn't just sacks. Okay, you look at that. Even though Miami had five sacks for an offensive line that was playing really good, but uh, to wrap this thing up, like I said, both backs, neither one got over three yards per carry. So when we come back on the Western Walker Show, Live Wire Connect, Josh Fitty Marlowe brings that to you. That.